Welcome to Daily Daf Different, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom. Uh, welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. Uh, I'm Rabbi Daniel Goldfarb again from the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem, and we're on page 5, uh, uh, Daf Hay of Masechet Rosh Hashanah, uh, in the discussion of the first of Nisan being the new year of the festivals. Yesterday we saw how that was interpreted to learn uh, when one must pay his or her debts to the temple for vows, sacrifices, or whatever, within a period fixed by the passing of the festivals, with different views about how many festivals and if there is a preferred order. The key verse for this analysis uh, is Deuteronomy 16.16, which says, Three times a year all your males, calls Churcha, shall appear before the Lord in the place he has designated, which of course we take as Yerushalayim, at Chagamatzot, Hagashvuot, and Hagasukot. The Gemara, as it often does, devotes attention to the verse even beyond the reason for which it was brought, namely to help define the period for paying one's debts to the temple. In the course of the discussion, the Talmud asks why the verse is apparently repetitive. If it says three times a year, clearly those are the three festivals. So why need it also specify Hagamatzot, Hagashvuot, Hagasukot? The answer, at least as far as Sukot is concerned, is in order to put it on the same footing as the Feast of Passover. Just as on the Festival of Passover, the celebrant is required to stay overnight in Yerushalayim, so on the Fast of Tabernacles, he is required to stay overnight. Now, how do we know that Passover, uh, the celebrants must sleep in Yerushalayim? The Torah in verse 7 of that same chapter, Deuteronomy 16, tells the Passover pilgrim, in the morning you may start on the journey home. And Agmara here rules that the inclusion of Sukkot in the list with Pesach applies that sleepover requirement to Sukkot, and indeed to Shavuot as well. The later commentators are in dispute whether the duty to remain in Jerusalem is just till the morning after the first day, after the first Chag, or whether it applies to the duration of the holiday. But what we do see is that Torah was the first promoter of tourism for Yerushalayim, requiring all Jews to come to Jerusalem three times a year. Well, maybe saying all Jews is exaggerating. Maybe not. The halacha is quite clear that women are not obligated to appear in the temple for festivals because verse 16, which we saw above, speaks expressly of kol's churcha, of all your males. But ladies, don't put your suitcases away yet because women are obligated to the mitzvah, the commandment of rejoicing on the festivals, v'samach b'chagecha, and the Talmud elsewhere decrees that it is not simply an instruction to be happy, but it is to be filled by eating the Shlamim sacrifice in Jerusalem on the festivals. That the Jews came to Jerusalem in large numbers is evident from Mishnah 7 in the fifth chapter of Pirkei Avot, which tells us that when the pilgrims stood in the temple, they were crowded tightly. But when they bowed down, showing humility and subservience to God, each one had ample space. In fact, 
Two more of the ten miracles performed for our ancestors in the temple, as it's called, actually related to their visits to Jerusalem and not necessarily to their religious, religious experience in the Beit HaMikdash. Never did a snake or scorpion cause injury in Jerusalem, it tells us. I don't need to tell you how, ex how reports of snake bites in the holy city could kill the tourist business. And no one ever complained, it goes on, that my lodging in Jerusalem is too cramped for me. And that is really a miracle, that the city was full of Jewish tourists and no one complained about the hotel. Ech naflu giborim. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Interestingly, uh, the rabbis were fully aware of both the importance of tourism to Jerusalem in those days and the vulnerability of the industry. In the fall, we do not start asking for rain here in Israel, ten talu matar, in the ninth request of the Shmon Esrei, until the seventh of the month of Mar Cheshvan, 15 days after the end of Sukkot. The Talmud explains that this is the time needed to allow pilgrims who had the longest return journey to Bavel to get home safely and dry. We all know what would have happened if it had rained on those people. Next year, come Sukkot's time, he would say to her, Rifkala, or she'd say to him, Moishala, do you remember how we got drenched when we came back from Yerushalayim last year? How about making Sukkot right here in Baghdad on the banks of the Tigris? Some things don't change. In Shai Agnon's wonderful short story, Tehillah, published in 1951, the narrator tells of the many burdens in his life in Jerusalem in those days. Next came the burden of the tourists, you know the tourists I mean, who look down upon us and on the country. Since our hold on the land has increased, even they started coming to see. And when they come, they view us as if the only reason we were created is to serve them. But on the other hand, the tourists do bring benefit, for when we show them things, we see them ourselves. As a resident of Jerusalem in the last 40 years, I can fully identify with Agnon's narrator. Had it not been for visiting friends and relatives, I would never have ridden onto the Jerusalem's light rail line, nor seen the recently developed and such attractive train station. I just hope they all got home safe and dry. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.